from the Carter Subaru Studios, this is the Jack and Spike Show. Welcome back to the Jack and Spike Show. Washington is the second most productive state in the United States. This study is amazing because everyone always tells me how awful it is in Washington State and how it's all, it's dying, Spike O'Neill. We live in a zombie state. Eventually it'll be a ghost state where we're all ghost people, right? It's, it's like I'm watching Grapes of Wrath. Exactly. I watch my friends just drive off in the dusty sunset. <laughs> time after time after time. Some good news is that uh, the Hanford Nuclear Waste Cleanup is gonna, it's got a huge contract yep. to clean all that stuff up, which is great news. But before we get to all of that, there's this local story I wanted to talk about. Transgender employee is suing Boeing for harassment in an unsafe work environment. Her name is Rachel Rasmussen, and this is somebody who came out as trans to her coworkers, and everything was fine. And then sometime 2011, all of a sudden things started to go bad. There was harassment, shoving in hallways. People were saying, grow with thicker skin. Looks like uh, uh, supervisors would out her as being trans to new people without yeah. asking for her permission. Or Vandalism of her property. Vandalism yeah. of her property. That's physical. She claims that she was assaulted with a broomstick by a male employee. And after years and years and years and years of ma- making official complaints, eventually there was a target put on her back. She was a crane operator for 20 years, never had any issues. Right. Now, what's interesting about this is that she's talked about it with, uh, with King 5. This is audio from King 5, by the way. And this is her talking about how she knew that she was you know, trans from when she was very, very young. Here's what that sounded like. I knew at five years old. And coming to accept myself is, is a long story in its own. But by 2010, I could no longer live with that pain. I just wanted the pain to stop. Right. And so this is a pretty common thing that happens with trans people yeah. is that they, the, gender dysphoria tends to emerge between the ages of about three and five for what we would consider to be like biological men. And Spike, I know this is a big issue for you because yeah, you've is. got, you got trans family members. So you, I'm, just, I'm watching the dad rage right now. Just boil up in O'Neill. Right? I'm watching if Spike looks like he's about to put a fist through his, well, it's, his it's, go down to Boeing right now. Well, it's funny. It's, it's, I, I border between incredible Hulk and complete heartbreak. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah, yeah. and cause I, I, I look at this woman who's worked with these coworkers for decades, right, and then when something when when this when this woman becomes who she really always felt she meant to be, right, people just can't handle it, and they can't handle well, themselves. Yeah, they, they can't they can't keep themselves and just accept someone who's different that they don't understand. They may be you know afraid or whatever, or you know, or disgusted even. But so you know, the ability to keep it to yourself. Mm-hmm. A, a coworker put a sticker on this woman's locker, this trans woman's locker, mm-hmm. and then as a show of support. Person who put the sticker on started getting harassed. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah so it's heartbreaking yeah. to me that people can't just be a be better. Well, do you want to talk about the science behind transphobia, my friend? Shall we do a little bit of the old political theory? Yeah. Well, uh, I think it would help people to understand why people decide to be who they truly feel they are and transition in life. I'd talk I'd rather talk about why people can't keep their own brains in order and well, not become the worst version of themselves just because somebody's different than them. Transphobia. Why is it a thing? Why is it scientifically a thing? Why is it that people have... Why are they shoving it down his throat, Jack? (laughs) I want to talk to that guy. So, if you look... Well, let me back up. In political theory, there have been psychological analyses which show that different people with different, let us just say, character makeups Mm -hmm. end up having stronger responses, favorable or negative, based on their political affiliation. 
Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you are a conservative, you tend to have naturally in your life a much more rigid disgust mechanism for things that are outside of your immediate space, oh, right? Your okay. immediate cultural space. Whereas you're are if you are a liberal, you have a very similar kind of disgust mechanism, but it's not so much for like physical people as much as it is for ideas. You view it being pathogenic. Okay. So conservatives it's actually the physical thing elicits disgust. Whereas for, and this is just in the psychological literature, for his liberals, it's more like the idea of that thing elicits disgust, right? Okay. I'm, that I'm makes sense? It makes perfect sense to so me. So transphobia, because trans people are so, you could consider it to be kind of a radical affront to our presuppositions about gender and gender expression. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Conservatism has very rigid binaries when it comes to their beliefs about gender roles. A man does this, a woman does that. Right. It is ordained by God, right? Mm -hmm. A man's house is his castle, his wife is his queen, so on and so forth. Those distinctions don't necessarily exist so much in the liberal brain, and so that is, or the progressive brain, I should say. Yeah. So that's why you see more people who are progressive to be significantly less transphobic. I'm not saying that it's there's anything that needs to be done about that. I'm not well, it saying it just explains why people. It just feel explains the way they why they feel that that's way. Why, that's what I was asking you. Why right. can't why can't these people just let people live? Well, they can. In a land of liberty they, and freedom. They can, but the that when people have a disgust mechanism, it is a it is a strong urge, but also at the same time an obsession. A phobia, by definition, is an obsession, right? Okay. That's what the Latin prefix means. Okay. So to be transphobic is to be obsessed with the aesthetic of that thing. Look at someone like uh, Haya Rutnick, libs of TikTok, obsessed with trans yeah. people. Yeah. Look at someone like Matt Walsh from The Daily Wire obsessed with trans people rarely talks about anything else can't get it out of his mind right yeah. now if i was obsessed to such a degree like i really 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 am obsessed with the game of overwatch so much so that i had to make an emotional decision to unplug my playstation and put it into my closet do you know what i mean it was yeah. causing me such emotional distress i said i need to distance myself from this thing which is causing me such displeasure People who are transphobic, what they could say is like, you know what? I just don't agree with it. I don't really want to be around it. So I'm going to remove myself from the equation. But they don't. They say you have to leave. And that is where the differentiation, I think, lies here. Well, plus this is a work environment that people can't just walk away right, from. Right, exactly. I mean, this, this harassment, Rachel Rasmussen says, it started in 2011. Right, yeah. So let's play some more cuts here. By the way, we're talking about this transgender woman who works for Boeing. She worked there for 20 years, and she's now suing. Uh, this is her saying that she was sexually assaulted by a co-worker and that people, and that, yeah, she has very strong takes on this. Here's what that sounds like. That toxic culture enabled a co-worker to sexually assault me. Everybody at Boeing and in the state of Washington should feel safe to come to work. They should have a harassment-free environment, should feel safe to speak up with concerns. So here's uh, her lawyer uh, talking about the, what the, all the corporate promises that Boeing made towards uh, her as an employee. Here's what that sounds like. Boeing's made repeated promises that are hollow about valuing safety, about caring about their employees, about inclusivity. It's time that they turn that actually into action. Now, to be fair, she could be lying. I don't think that she is. I don't think that someone would doc take the time to document and write down and have all that paperwork and yep. all that. You know what I mean? Yep, I That's you. a little weird. But I, I do think it goes to show that um, that people might do better to, I hate to use the phrase, do your own research. But generally, transphobia comes from a lack of knowledge on the issue. Mm -hmm. And so 
if people were to look at lectures by psychology, clinical psychologists talking about the neuroanatomy of transgender individuals, right? Yeah. Or if people were to understand, like everybody understands that there are instances in which someone is born with uh, the both sets of reproductive organs. Everybody knows this, right? right? Yeah. It's simply a biologic fact. So if we were to say that we know that that is a fact, is it not possible that the internal anatomy of a human being, our brains, can also, on rare occasion, be flipped in the same way that we see with people who have Klinefelter syndrome or whatever it is? Because to say that it's a lie is, is just factually incorrect because then you have to ignore, oh, what, 80 years of biologic science? Do you know right, what I mean? right. And so that is the issue that I have with all this kind of anti-trans stuff, particularly what we see in the South, in which uh, this is an article by the Rolling Stone talking about how the, all the anti-trans laws are uprooting families and leaving with impossible choices. Many of them are choosing to come to Washington State because we don't have the same restrictions or let us just say draconian anti-science laws that they have in those states, right? And you're seeing families whose children can't be themselves, who can't seek medical attention or care, right? can't see psychological care, can't see... Right. Uh, you know, whatever it may be, a doc, tra- transgender care in general is outlawed, and doctors who perform this are criminalized, and they flee the state. There's a brain flight. Right. And, uh, I and think, families yeah. can't, can't be families. I think the other aspect of this is that there, uh, gender dysphoria is not often described well to people. There are degrees of gender dysphoria. You know, some people have it worse than others. Yeah, and as, so, as in all things. And yeah. you can think about it almost like degrees of discomfort. Mm-hmm. So when I see images of like, you know, they, they say, look at what they do to transgender men. Look at they They disfigure these people or whatever. When I look at that, I go, you know, not all trans men get bottom surgery. Not all trans men get top surgery. Like not all not all trans men get hysterectomies. Not all of them seek uh, hormone treatments not, or testosterone exa- treatments. Exactly. Right? right. So but what happens is that when people have this kind of one size fits all idea when it when it comes from the libs of TikTok or any of these other transphobes, they are so confused about the issue that they're actually arguing against an issue that doesn't even exist. Do you know what I mean? Well, yeah, because they've been scared by their sometimes their right. state legislatures uh, to I, tell you how predatory trans people can be. So you were surprised when I told you the stat on how many kids in the United States are actually on hormone blockers in the United States. I was uh, jaw dropping, blown away. I, if anybody wants, if I had to ask anybody, how many kids in the United States are on hormone blockers for gender dysphoria specifically, not for cancer, not for any other medical reason, but for uh, uh, gender dysphoria specifically? How many kids in the United States? Some people might say millions, right? They would say hundreds of thousands. Uh, yeah, I right? would. I would say, you know, as somebody who's got, you know, skin in the game, family in the game, I'd say a couple hundred thousand people right. probably are seeking so about forty six hundred kids in the entire country. About forty six hundred kids, and also they're on that treatment generally from about you know for twelve months to twenty four months. And yet we've got nineteen states putting forth legislation to stop this kind of medical help, right? And medical care. What's even funnier about it is that most people are saying these drugs need to be banned. We need to get rid of these drugs. These drugs are used to chemically castrate people. Lupron is a drug that they use, and Hislerin is a drug that they use. Those drugs are also approved to treat things like prostate cancer, to treat things like breast cancer, to treat all kinds of different maladies in which people take them for extended periods of time. I find the lack of knowledge that people have on trans people in general to be the most frightening thing about it, right? Like, if I didn't have a lot of knowledge about pet rocks... I would assume that they were living beings sure. <laughs> that needed to be fed. Sure. It's responsibility <laughs> there, Tony. It's a big responsibility. Right. And, and let us just say that someone told me that the most dangerous pet a human being could own 
other than a rooster or a pit bull would be the pet rock. And I would go, oh, how many? How, pi- how big your pet rock is. I right? know, right? It's a, they can be gargantuan. They can be the size of mountains. And then if somebody came to me and they said, oh, did you know that there's literally hundreds of thousands of pet rocks everywhere? <gasps> right? This is the kind of thing that this drives people. in Colorado people. crushed a car. <laughs> Seriously. Right? Yeah. So the, what we are dealing with now, I think, as a, as a society, is you have either Either people who are educated on the issue, who have read literature like uh, Irreversible Damage or whatever it is, any book by Dr. Deborah Saw, which I have read, by the way, which is all garbage, but that's besides the point. Um, if you don't understand the deep science and very complex science around neuroanatomy, you don't get to talk about it. I'm sorry. If you have not done a single Google search on the issue, you have not read a single peer-reviewed study, you don't get to talk about it in the same way that I don't get to talk about the Seahawks because I just don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you don't know. I just don't That's know. Thing, I just you know? don't know. Right. Exactly. So Washington is this what well, Spike, you want to wrap this up? Cause I know it's a very personal issue for you. I feel like we didn't kind of, I don't know if I could that. put a better point on it then, you know, if you want to have an opinion about this then educate yourself and yeah, have an yeah, informed yeah. opinion about this. Yeah. Cause we've, we've often said, you know, there's nothing wrong with you having a different opinion than yeah, have me. an opinion, have an opinion, come with information and don't just echo the fear you've heard. And the predatory accusations you've heard of a community. We're going, we're going a little bit long on this, but let me say this as well. So when I had my YouTube channel, I would often do breakdowns of trans news just to kind of, or I would kind of debunk some, what someone from the Daily Wire had said about trans people. And in my comment section, we'd blown up with people. You're wrong. You're, you're a fool. You're a pedo. Whatever it was, yeah. right? Yeah. And what I would do is I would take the time to say, come on and let's chat about it. Not a single one. I got thousands of these comments. You're wrong. You don't know what you're talking about. You need to do more research. I asked, I could not tell you how many thousands of people come on and we'll chat about it. I won't sandbag you. We'll talk about it like adults. Not a single one. So why is it? Why is that the case where everybody is so knowledgeable about it? And so hopped up on their own or high on their own supply of, of transphobia. Yeah. But when given the inf- the invitation in a public forum to discuss, not worth my time. It's not worth your time to save children. What are you talking about? It's not worth to debunk my lies. What are you talking about? It's it's fascinating. And, and there, it's because it's sold to people on the, the fear of protecting your own kids. Mm, you know, they're coming yeah, after yeah. my kids. Why yeah, they got to yeah. come at me with this agenda? Why can't they just live in quiet and on their own? But what? Right. Yeah. All right. So Washington is the second most productive Productive. state in the United States. That's what the study of labor statistics data has to say. Now, last time I talked about how profitable it is to work in Washington state, Mm -hmm. we got an email from a gentleman who said, let me come on your show and I'll show you all the stuff that I have to deal with. And we very politely said, sir, we don't care about your anecdotal data. We care about metadata because anybody can say, hey, they're fixing the sidewalks. They're fixing the sidewalks. I saw a cracking <laughs> one this morning. That was, Your entire argument is a lie. And we all know that that's just flat out wrong. But this, these statistics are really, really good. Did you guys know that when I don't get a lot of sleep, my speech impediment comes out? Did you guys know that? Uh, is that what this is? This is because you're doing great. I don't feel like you ripped out some some accents. It's been wonderful. <laughs> I did not sleep well. Do you much. know the least productive state is Mississippi. Oh, I shouldn't do 
that than Lies. most folks in Mississippi. No, it's true. Really? For every hour the Mississippian works, it produces fifty-eight point eight cents or fifty-eight point eight dollars. Yeah. Worth of goods. Right. Whereas Washington, the number two productive state in the nation, a dollar point seven. Wow. A dollar dollar seven point twelve. Wow. For every hour that a Washingtonian works, because when we work build stuff in Washington, it's valuable. It's a commodity. We can sell it to other states. People in Washington get stuff done. We're a good state. Well, that's the thing that you know when I when I look at the state, everybody tells me how bad it is. Right. right? Everybody tells me how it's going awful. Now, I would like to name some names of some local commentators that their entire show is predicated on how bad things are going. I would love to name those people because those people are liars. But I can't do it because I'm a respectful individual. But what I find so fascinating about this in so many ways is that I think that people choose to want to live with the idea that their state is in a chaotic mess rather than actually look at data sets. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing with trans people. Rather than actually look at the research and look at the numbers, yes. they say they will come to me and they'll say, eggs were $12 a dozen. And I'm saying, I get it. Listen, I understand. But there's also metrics here that we need to analyze other than the anecdotal data that we see in front of us. We lost a lot of chickens to virus. That's why eggs were so expensive. It wasn't Joe Biden. You don't have to put a sticker on every car. Right. And okay? in good news, by the way, because we do, we want to start incorporating more good news in this show. Uh, there's a 10-year, $45 billion contract awarded for Hanford Nuclear Waste Cleanup in Eastern Washington. I want my nuclear waste. Don't take it away from me. I want superpowers. How am I going to fly and turn green without it, Spike? <laughs> I can't argue with that, Jack. Thank you. The, the, the Hanford problem has been a problem for Washington for decades. And the, the leaching of radioactive materials from the antiquated storage tanks at the you Hanford told Reach. Me this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and there's really no solution to nuclear waste. That's what we talked about the moon, put it on the moon, but we don't want to do that. The, right now, the, pro, the, the preferred method of nuclear storage is to glassify, classification, okay. to steal, seal nuclear waste in glass. Makes because sense. the glass very will, fragile. The glass, no, no, <laughs> big thick blocks of glass. Oh, like you mean like a like uh, yeah. the, what they protect the Mona Lisa with? Sorta. Okay. Sorta ish, kind of. You know, imagine something that is like twenty foot thick and twenty foot wide. Wow. And you're right that that you can't crack open, but it, it also doesn't deteriorate. Oh, I see. But but the real issue here with this new contract, forty eight million dollars worth of cleanup funding to help this. It's a one of those super funds. Type sites, right? It affects so many people. The water, the, the radioactive material leaches into the water base. Why don't we? Why don't we get Captain Planet? Because all my understanding is that you got to call that little blonde Swedish girl, and then that ginger, <laughs> and then the little Indian boy, <laughs> and have Captain Planet come. And fix he us comes, and then that the 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 young African man, and then we they with our powers combined, and then their rings all shoot out, and then Captain Planet shows up, and he just takes care of it for us. It'd be nice if we could, Jack. Right. Again, that's anecdotally, that's what's supposed to happen, right? That's what's supposed to happen. Exactly. And, and I know you're a big fan of nuclear energy. Yeah, because I want to roll around in it and get superpowers and <laughs> save the world is what I want to do. You're going to have fun. It. I'm taking you to Comic-Con this weekend. we got to get you to Comic-Con. There will be a Captain Planet there for you to meet, I promise you. Jesse Jones says only a third of Americans have a will. Jesse Jones is probably going to come on the show sometime soon. Friend He's, of the show. He loves the show. I've, I've known Jesse for decades on a personal level. Yeah. Any, he said anytime we'd like to have him on. I just want to have him on to talk about anything but news. Cool. I just want to talk to Jesse Jones. Because all he does is work. Exactly. He just solves problems all day long. And also... The first black woman elected to Washington State House dies. I think it's important to highlight the actual names of women who have served our community and our nation by name <laughs> and not just allude to it. And some kind of we have to actually point out the people who have made a difference. That's nice. We'll take a really quick break. We'll be right back right after this.
Women's History Month. This is actually a song that was composed by women. These are women that are eight months pregnant that are playing these instruments right here. You're kidding me. No, I'm dead serious. Andrew, can you back me up on this? Sure, the why ba- not? The band's called Third Trimester. And they're only the only time they ever write and record records is when they're pregnant. So, you, so you're, can, you're pulling my chain. I am. Here. Yes, oh. I am. Am I that dry? No, I this that, is really good music. Am I that acerbic <laughs> in my comedic delivery? No, that was actually but such a, a, a small window of creativity available well, to them. Because they got all those hormones yeah. going through them. And after the baby's born, of course, who has time they to write? They forget how to play instruments. Sure. They don't. They actually don't know how to play instruments I need, anymore. I needed that. Thank you. I really after that last time, I really needed yeah, that. Yeah, you're welcome, my friend. So <laughs> I wish that was real. That'd be the most punk thing ever. I know. So it is. Uh, <laughs> To my new CD, Placenta. <laughs> you got a problem with that? <laughs> it's Women's History Month this month, and although some people might make vague kind of aspersions or ideas as to celebrating different women throughout history who've contributed to our overall discourse in the United States, I make the decision to actually point out the women that I think we should celebrate. Peggy Joan Maxey was the first black woman elected to the Washington House of Representatives. She passed away at the age of 87. She was elected in 1970 to represent the 37th district, and she actually got a lot of stuff through. It's actually pretty, uh, pretty monumental, right? Landlord tenant, landlord tenant act. Yeah, this big old. If you're big a renter, for renters. you yeah, can right. thank her for having the bedrock there and, and, and responsibilities uh, of landlords. Talk about helping your community, right? And so, you know, what I think about, you know, it's all, it's very easy to say, let's celebrate Black History Month or mm-hmm. let's celebrate, you know, uh, Women's History Month or whatever it is right. or, or whatever, or even like a Veterans Day or Memorial Day or whatever it is, right? It's much harder to actually point out the specific people that made a difference in whatever system we're talking about. So, for instance, not a lot of people can name the black women that helped get the Apollo uh, um, uh, ships to the moon, right? Not a lot of people oh, can mention those women. Octavia Spencer. <laughs> I could tell the actresses. Right. And so what I think is so sad about this is that even in moments where we are supposed to be celebrating either the accomplishments of veterans or the accomplishments of our founding fathers or the accomplishments of women or or black Americans or whatever it is, all too often people are like, yeah, you know, Malcolm X, uh, MLK, bop, 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 bop. Right. And then you start talking to people like, well, have you ever read any Langston Hughes? And they go, eh, well, who? And then you say, right, go, right. well, have you ever read any uh, uh, Kimberly Crenshaw? Who, uh, uh, you ever read any Angela Davis? I don't know. Any ideas out there? Even though I might not agree with everything that these people put forward, it might be a good idea for us to start saying these names and thinking about these names rather than just kind of celebrating the idea of these people. Because in a sense, you're doing an injustice to these people when you just focus on the kind of peripheral aspects of what it means to be a vet or black or a woman or whatever it is. That's right? really, really well put, man. Thank and you. Was, Dorothy Vaughn was one of the characters. Yes. Because I've, I've seen, I love that movie, Hidden Figures, by the way. Yeah, it's, yeah, a, yeah. it's a wonderful, it's, of course it's dramatized. I'll give you another example. Um, Jack Black, the actor, mm-hmm. his mom was one of the engineers on the Apollo missions. And she went into labor with Jack Black when she was writing code. For, really? Yeah. So she's still, she's on her way to the hospital writing wow. code for uh, the Apollo missions. And so what I'm saying is, is that there have been a great number of accomplishments that that women have had. Like, for instance, Marsha Lucas is the reason why Star Wars is the movie that it is. Did you, have you not heard this story? No. 
So George Lucas comes out and he wants to showcase uh, his first cut of Star Wars. And he's got um, Coppola is there, Spielberg is there, and they're watching the movie. De Palma is there. Oh, wow. And they watch the first cut of it and they were all like, George, this is trash. This is garbage. You need to re-edit this. None of this makes any sense whatsoever. So he's devastated. So he goes back to his lovely wife, Marsha Lucas, and she says, well, let me do my cut of it. And so she cut out a lot of the the more kind of bad vision that George Lucas had. Okay. So, for instance, Luke Skywalker was shown in the original cut of the Star Wars. He's the first person on screen. Right. So there was no build up. The, okay. the whole okay. the whole sequence where there's that star battle that's going on. Sure, in the sky, yeah, of course. He looks up and says, Oh, there's a big battle going on up there. And then we get the sequence with Princess Leia and C three PO and the whole thing. Yeah, so she's Ma- hiding the the plans and the droid. Marshall Lucas says, No, 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 come in, you punch him right in the face, right? You, we cut all that twenty minutes beforehand and we just come right in with the pew 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 all that <laughs> stuff, right? Brilliant decision. And also the the decision that she made to cut out the sound when all of the when all the soldiers are looking at the door and yeah. then kick it back in when the door gets blasted yeah. open. She was a literal editing genius and the reason that Star Wars is the franchise that it is today. And she's influenced editors since her work on those films. And it was a name I had no clue of. Thank and, you. And right. And so this is the thing that I think a lot of people forget. Uh, uh, Lawrence of Arabia, edited by a woman. Uh, Quentin Tarantino's editor, Susan. So edited her movies, uh, his movies up until she passed if away. If I had a nickel for every time my wife said, get to the point. Yes. And it, and it just washed. I, I missed yeah. it completely. Yeah. Right over my head. Right. Uh, so th- with all that being said, uh, I think that it's important to recognize that it is Women's History Month. And I look forward to Men's History Month whenever we get that. When the is that? 11, on, the other 11. When is that on the calendar? The other 11 months are Men's History Month. Oh, can we anybody, get all 11. When, Andrew, when's Men's History Month again? <laughs> so we can talk about the accomplishments of men. Do we know, Andrew? Do you have any idea? I don't have any ideas. Nora, when's Men's History Month? When do we get a month? Is it July? Like Fourth of July? I don't. Is it? Kind of feels like Laura. Is it? Yeah, that's a good guess. Can we look it up? <laughs> Can somebody Google this? Because we celebrate everybody. Why aren't we celebrating Men's History Month? Right? Shouldn't we be ce- yeah, celebrating? More attention for men, please. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> On the first day of Women's History Month. Thank you for bringing attention to this issue, Spike. Andrew, can you get that drop? Yeah, thanks. Can you get that drop? I need I need Laura saying more attention for men, please. And every time I speak, I need you to hit that drop. Jesse Jones says only a third of Americans have a will. He did this whole thing um, over at Cairo 7. And I think, you know, when my grandfather passed away, his will was ironclad. I mean, nobody was getting at that man's money. And I think it's amazing how many people don't have a, a will and testament. For me, as an example, my ex-wife is still the beneficiary of all of my worldly goods. So, so, well, is that something you want to update, or is that still how you feel that your estate should be? Spike, she listens to the show from time oh, to time. Oh, fair Can enough. We, so I, of in course stone. I want her to have everything. <laughs> of course I don't want to leave it all to my cats. <laughs> Why would I ever consider that? Spike, what a silly proposition that, idea, that I would ask a probate lawyer to write up a will <laughs> to leave everything to my three cats. I would never consider such a foolish idea, and I certainly would not pay someone $800 to draft up that will for me and then ask her to sign it. Why would I do such a thing? Spike, please, you're throwing me under the bus. I apologize. Throw me right under the bus. More attention for men, please. <laughs> Do you have a will, Spike? You got one drafted up? Um, I, I would, I would like to lie to your face and tell you I do, but I honestly don't. And it's, it's a 
horrible admission to make. I, it, my, and they're Melissa not, has been on me forever. Spike, they're not that expensive. They're not that expensive. I mean, you go. Is there? Does anybody out there know a good probate lawyer we could get Spike in touch with so we can have? I'm 36. I got one drafted up. Everything's going to my cat, my ex-wife. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Don't listen to my horrible ideas, Jack. Don't do it. No, you know what you're doing. Right. Leaving everything to my Yeah, the problem is with, without proper designation of your estate, so many things fall into question, and the loved ones you hope to benefit from your life's work may be left in the lurch because the state will end up getting most of your of your assets. Right, exactly. Without a will. Exactly. And I know this, and yet I still can't bring myself to spend. You take 30, 40 minutes with a probate lawyer, and you go, this is all mine, give it to them. <laughs> I plan to take a pool cue, break it in half, and throw it between my two kids and say, we're having tryouts. I got a funny story for you guys. You guys can actually look this up. There was a guy, he was a vintage car collector, and he had a 1957 Corvette that was Ooh. mint, right? It was in pristine condition, had never been been restored had never been oh wow never been touched it was in mint condition and all of his kids were saying who's going to get the car because they were thinking they were going to sell it at auction right well they show up to dad's funeral service and what is dad getting lowered into the ground with? Oh, uh, <laughs> no. You can look it up, man. He got they buried. drained the fluids out so it would be environmentally friendly. It, Put dad yeah. in the driver's seat, pair of uh, those aviators that Biden likes to wear. Put him right into the ground wow. in his car. Do you think that's how Biden will go? I want him to go you that think way. that way in Arlington or wherever they put presidents? Because they don't all go to Arlington. They go to I, their... I thought that they took off the head and they put them in a vat and then, and then so that they could reanimate them and have them live forever. That's why Nixon's still alive, right? Ouch. Right? Isn't that what they do? Get a will, people. Don't, right. don't make a sick Jesse on you. We'll take a really quick break when we get back. Do we have to talk about... Let's do some text messages, shall we? We can talk about dreams, lucid dreaming. But that's like... Ooh. What are we going to talk about with lucid dreams? Right? I'll be honest with you. Been, I'm too tired. I didn't read it. It's been pitched. <laughs> it's been pitched. Why, why do some people not remember their dreams? And look, some people just can't. For, I, 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 I conveyed a dream to you last week that was pretty scary for me, but you kind of laid it out very okay. nicely Okay. All right. We'll talk, about, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the archetypal relationship between images and meaning when we get back right after this. So, a couple of text messages here. This one's for Spike. We were talking about trans healthcare in Washington State. We were talking about how many uh, trans people are leaving southern states and ending up in states like Washington, California. Right. Because they can't get the healthcare from, that they need from their states because their states are anti-science, uh, backwater places where they don't believe in... The, their know. kid can't even go to school and be who they are in their classroom in some right. states in the South. So uh, Spike said, I worked with... Oh, there's also this story out of Boeing about this individual who... Uh, Rachel was, Rasmussen. Ra- Rachel Rasmussen. Suing Boeing for harassment right. because of her, her the world she was forced to work in. So, so Spike, I worked with a trans woman at Boeing, a shop made up of 30 men, 30 women. I loved how the group just accepted her unconditionally. We were just a dysfunctional family building airplanes hugs to you and your child Child, thank you that is so sweet that is nice i I needed that so um jack this is someone wrote this to me they said jack why don't you bring matt walsh on your show and have a debate about the transgender issue now that would bring a bazillion listeners i guarantee you a couple of things here one it's not an issue but then two matt walsh has is a very media savvy guy and that's his brand I'm the anti-trans guy, right? Mm-hmm. That's his whole brand. I cannot have a good faith conversation with that kind of person. It just does not exist. 
And in the attempt to have a good faith expression, I'm not actually interacting with the human being. I'm interacting with the brand. Okay, the talking points, the scoring, the dunking on you. And I'll tell you how the debate would go. I would come with notes about the neuroanatomy of transgender individuals. I would come with notes about the, you know, uh, biodiversity or the the biological makeup of human beings. Now Mm -hmm. it's incredibly diverse. And I could come with as many stats, data points as I possibly could. And then Matt would ask me a simple question and he would say, well, what is a woman? Can you tell me what a woman is? And then I would say a woman, by definition, is an adult human female. And then he would say, I won the debate. And then I would have to say, and there's also another category of woman called a trans woman. And then he would say, well, we already have established what the definition of a woman is. And so we would play this postmodern game where he wants to have this definition be the concrete definition. And then there are no subcategories or para categories out there for us to analyze. Because when you are that binary in your viewpoint, when you're that rigid in your viewpoint, it's designed to be inaccessible. I don't talk to people. I can have my mind changed about any topic. Mm. Talk, about, talk to me about any topic. Okay. You bring me enough evidence, I will in good faith change my opinion on that topic. You cannot do that with a brand. It does not exist. I cannot tell Coca-Cola to start selling water. Other than they you know, have actually Dasani, the money. <laughs> but I can't get them. But they to, were open-minded what, to the what idea. What I'm saying is, I can't get Coca-Cola to rebrand and say, you know, yeah. we shouldn't poison people with our beverage. So now Coca-Cola is all water. I can't do it, right? That's true. And so that is the problem with you know trying to debate trans issues with people. I can't get people like Ben Shapiro to have a good faith argument. It doesn't exist. There is not a world in which it exists. Well, you can't convince someone if their livelihood depends on them feeling the opposite way. That's, exactly right. right. That's the, his brand. Like, you're right. I can't take. I can't take someone who's built a career on being an anti-vaxer or a socialist or a Mariners fan or a whatever, and try to peel that apart. The media business is designed for you to be inauthentic, and it's designed for you to be rigid, and it's designed for you to be a bad faith actor. I don't do that, but that's what this business celebrates. The more hard line you are, the more radical you are, the more crazy you are, those are the people who are going to get attention. Well, that's so, that's who cultivates a loyal audience right. you know, who doesn't want to change their point of view or learn new and things or be challenged. Right. And here's the other thing. This person says, now that would bring a bazillion listeners, I guarantee you. I don't care about the ratings of this show. I don't. I care. What I care most about is that I'm articulating and portraying what is going on in our community to the most accurate of my ability. Mm-hmm. I do not care about the ratings. I don't even look at them. Spec, when was the last time I opened the email on when we look at the ratings? I don't know when you open your email. I don't. <laughs> what am I doing? I don't Logging look at it. I, ju- I found out about them yesterday <clears throat> no. from Brian, and I said, what are the ratings? He goes, oh, I got them right here. And I was like, you know what? Forget about it. I'll come back later. I don't care about how many listeners there are. I care about the people who care about what's going on in their community. And it, trust you and I and Laura and Nora and Andrew and Nate Connors enough to say, well, I at least want to listen and engage with that, you know, in good faith as good. best as I can. I like that. So that's a, that's a noble in, in, endeavor to take on. Right, exactly. Whereas Matt Walsh wants to go home and, and enjoy his evening alone with the comments section. Good most, he, cer- he most certainly does. Let's end on a happy note, shall we? Uh, Nora, thanks so much for sitting in with us all week long, learning how to be a producer. We will miss you on Monday. And then you'll be back on Tuesday, <laughs> right? right? Can Nora give me a grade for training? Her? Oh, do you want to give uh, you want to give uh, Laura a training grade? I definitely give Laura an A plus. Wow! <laughs> and I will give you that twenty dollars later. Oh. <laughs> That's supposed wow. to be the quiet part, Laura. Me. That's the quiet part. Andrew, turn my mic on. Shoot. A plus today, my friend. I appreciate all of the various and sundry 
funnies, make funny, Andrew make funny sound, Jack laugh. I'm so tired. <laughs> Nate Connors, I can't, yes, sir. E- I can't even see you. And I- what is that? A long sleeve you got on a, there? A hoodie. Dang, yep. Nate Connors, back at it again with the. Why fitness. is it when I wear that thing, I look like a potato sack? <laughs> Looks like Nate, he's on the pages Nate of Nate Connors. Vogue. Back at it again with the fitted hoodie today. I've, I'm embarrassed by what I'm wearing. <laughs> Nora A plus, Laura A plus, Spike. I'll give you a solid C plus for the week, buddy. Thanks, buddy. That was a great Thanks. week this week. Even though I only got like two and a half hours of sleep last night, you, my friend, did a fantastic job. Thanks, today. brother. It's been a pleasure. Here, my friends, is your quote of the day. Nice shooting, son. What's your name? Now, here's the thing about this job. Working nine to five. What is it? Yeah. Uh, so here's the, here's the thing about this job. Nine to five. <laughs> I'm so you. Oh, sorry, you started the train. That's I just okay. wanted to bring it into the station. As it goes off a cliff. <laughs>